This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 77 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by Index Fund Advisors, IFA.com. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network, and today we have Raphael Valle telling the story of how he began his horsey friendship with Ivory Pal, a Tennessee walking horse. And we also have Joyce Batista Ferrari of Horse Illustrated and Young Rider Magazine. This will be fun. This is Debbie Laux, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thank you for joining us. Horsemanship Radio is on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have my producer, Jen, with me today. Hi, Jen. Hello, Debbie, out there hanging out on the red carpet with all the stars. Yes, I'm in my New York studio, Jen. (laughs) That is so awesome. (laughs) Tell everybody where you're at. I am in Midtown. I'm in the East Village area. I have a, an assistant here with me today, Dr. Ellen Ferrari. Oh, Ferrari. I was going to say our Ferrante. guest name, Ferrante. And she has been a great host. She's been helping me with the Equus Film Festival. And that's why we're here. That's so exciting. Now, has the film festival started yet or is it still in the getting ready stages? We just set up today. Just Ellen up was today. part of the volunteer group. Here she is, Dr. Ellen. And she's she is taking her precious time to go and set up and put tables and tablecloths together. So we got all set up, but tonight we get to put our duds on and I'll put my felt Stetson on and we're going to go have a party. There's a big opening party here. Big opening party. Now, Mm -hmm. you know in advance because they have this lovely big long schedule of all the different films that are going to be uh, screened. Do you have picked out what you want to go see? You know, that's the hardest part, Jen. You're, you're, it's a good question because they double up. You know, there's like this one at 10 p.m. or that one at 10 p.m. Oh, no, you can't see them all. You can't see them all. It is so hard. It's really hard to choose. But there is one that I, I am dying to see that I've never seen, and it's um, not one of ours. <laughs> it's not <laughs> all of ours. We do have a bunch of submissions in here, which is really going to be fun. But um, there is one that includes a horse that Dad was uh, – I guess I, I would say he's famous a little bit for saving, which is called Lomitas, a German bred horse. And there's a documentary made oh, about yes, him. So. Yes, I remember you telling me about Lomitas. Yes, it's just, a, it's one of its great stories. It really, one of those life-changing moments where Lomitas wouldn't go in the starting gate and he was going to be the greatest of the greatest. And how do I know that? Because he became the greatest of the greatest because dad worked with him in the starting stalls and um, and allowed him to, be, and you know, the 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 people who regulate those things could have said, you know what, forget it. Uh, he's just too disruptive. We're never, in fact, he was banned at one point and the owners came to him. Um, now just family friends. They're amazing. The Jacobs family and said, uh, you know, he's worth saving and can you work with him? And he said, wow, you, you're calling in a California cowboy. It must be last resort. <laughs> and he he knew he had just really started working with the queen not too many years before that. And that was the reputation, but you know, still pretty unproven really. So it was really a leap of faith. And so anyway, I'm interested to see that story is a great story because his his relatives, this Lomitas has produced some amazing racehorses that even have gone on to be as good, if not better than him. How cool. I wonder if you looked and you wouldn't be able to do this because this kind of thing is not made, is not put out for public consumption. If horses who are, um, 
vastly into pressure, which is usually why they have starting gate problems, as we know now from Monty's research. I wonder if that has a genetic component in that if you have a mare or a stallion who is very, very far at one end of that, very, very into pressure, if they Mm -hmm. are more likely to have progeny who are the same. I don't know why not. You know, DNA is such an interesting thing with horses. It's so strong, probably all animals, but we know horses best. And, and, uh, into pressure seems to be a sensitivity thing. And everybody knows there are some horses that are more sensitive than other horses. So I, yeah, I think your theory is probably right. Probably should be proven out, but here's the thing. We all know what imprinting is, right? And imprinting mm-hmm. is that, that thing that can happen when we have small horses, young horses who are impressionable, whether it's just out of the womb, there's, you know, everybody has an opinion about these things, or if it's just in the first stages of life, but you can imprint them to do almost anything. The extreme example is off the leg. Every horseman teaches a horse to counterintuitively come off the leg when they're in pressure animals naturally. So if we can teach them to come off pressure before we ever get in the saddle, in other words, when they're little guys, then we probably right. never have to have that sensitivity in, yeah. the, in the starting stall. So maybe we eliminate that problem altogether if we know what their plan is for their life's work. Interesting you know? to just take that, just take the fact that we know for a fact that they're, they're hardwired to be into pressure yep. to some degree, some vastly so, some a little bit less. If That's we just right. take that hardwiring and from day one, let them learn that, they can safely and happily disregard that part of their wiring. Wiring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, and this probably relates back to some research that Monty's doing right now with his with his stick with the uh, tennis ball on the end. Yeah, tennis ball, or he's kind of expanded it now to be a little bit longer and more covered with, a, we're still working on it. We're making a bigger surface now because mm-hmm. you can get more done with a yep, bigger surface. Yep, yep, yep. Ooh, and, this is break. This is breaking stuff too. We for those who don't right. listen to the Horsemanship Radio Show regularly, listen back to the previous few episodes, and particularly when Monty was on, because we talk about this. And this is some really groundbreaking stuff on uh, helping horses learn to be uh, to to relax and not be into pressure to a point where they could be a danger to themselves and others because mm-hmm. they've learned that from inappropriate training techniques and this is really cool it drives dad crazy because he's 81 and he said oh my gosh of all people on earth i should know this stuff and i'm still learning so um listen up students be a student for life because you don't know what you're going to discover you know stop don't don't stop learning you know you know and if you take any visionary in any area where discovery happens Mm -hmm. um true visionaries are like that they Never get to a point where they go, okay, I've discovered that I've discovered everything there is to discover. I don't think Einstein ever said that. Yeah. <laughs> or Mr. Tesla. Um, no, I bet they all say something like, I wish I could live longer to, you yes, know, to keep going because so, all that, yeah. all those years piled on top I, of each other. I think other. if we, if those of us who are not visionaries embrace that just a little bit in that we constantly say, there's always something more I can discover mm-hmm. and we, yeah. would, we would be better horsemen and better humans for it. Yeah, don't you love that about horses too? Because because they're mute, right? They really can't complain about things or sing joy about things. But we have to figure them out, and us horse people kind of know that. It makes it more interesting to to keep learning about them and and making them more comfortable and happy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Although I have discovered something. What? 
Well, as you know, and listeners know, I've been working with Nigel and Scooter both on right. getting them to catch me when I go out to the pasture so I don't get crowded at the gate, so I don't have to go trotting all around to find them. And we've made great progress. Um, the first light bulb moment was Scooter has now gotten to the point where I don't have to actively say, come to me. For a long time, it was the, that was that daily process of using my body language to say, um, we have two choices here. You can either come with me or move away from me. And he would mm-hmm. invariably choose to move away first. Like, <laughs> uh, but for the past, I would say 10 days or so, I open the gate. I have to make sure that I get um, into both fields of vision, left and right, mm-hmm. so that he knows he's supposed to come with me. And he happily... Both hemispheres of the brain, good. He, he very willingly and happily strides right along, right next to my right shoulder, and stops and sticks his nose out and says, Hi, put my altar on! And it's <laughs> fabulous, because he he's not the easiest pony to work with. And he's, he's, yeah. he's very... Um, in your face, and, and he wants to be the leader all the time, and he gets really kind of cranky if you don't let him, which was mm-hmm. really cool because he's very relaxed about it. He's, he's calm. Um, and a lot of times when you work with Scooter, anytime that you get something finally finished, th- the adrenaline tends to go up because it seems like such a battle, and it's not. Yeah. It's fabulous. Yeah. So I was That's very excited awesome. about that. So, okay. But then on the Nigel side, okay, Nigel and I came to the agreement very quickly that when I go into the pasture, I get onto both sides of the of his vision, and I walk away from the gate, and he comes with me. But now, he really doesn't want to come with me because he wants to be at the gate because that's closer to the food, right? But he <laughs> right. knows he, he needs to be coming with me because that's the best option. So what he does now is as soon as, soon as I, I come in and I face him and I let him, I get on both sides. Okay, I'm here on the left now. Oh, look, I'm here on the right too. Here we go. And I turn and I get three quarters away from him so I can kind of just see him over my shoulder and I start to walk away. The first thing he does is he turns and he walks as quickly as he can and he walks right in front of me with his body. So I have to stop. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny, Jen. Aren't they smart? Yes, exactly. And and he's like, no, 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 don't go away from the Don't do that. Oh my gosh. That's what he does. That is great. So now that I got to go back to, and, and to it's, Monty and it's, University it's and look it up. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that one. That is not a predictable one. So he, but it's predictable. He, he is doing this like consistently yes. in front of you. Every day That's he will cute. walk right in front of me with his body. He, he, he walked three or four steps. We get about 15 feet from the gate. And then I can see his little ear flick, his ear will flick back. And then he'll start to walk really quickly and turn right. And then when he gets so with his, his, barrel is directly in front of me he'll slow down <laughs> until i stop i either run into him or stop the road hazard oh my god road hazard and then he'll stand there and it's like no 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 and then i kind of have to go through okay i need to push you away and you need to come back to me and then he does but he's going through this little little dancing game now in the mornings yeah. <laughs> so i have to get onto the the university and find out what i'm doing with my body language that's saying this is appropriate yeah <laughs> i'm okay. doing something I think it's, I think you'd have to figure out what you can do that's appropriate. Actually, I don't think you're doing anything wrong, but yeah. but uh, actually signaling him to stay out. Well, he's not really in your bubble. You're in. You're going. You're going to run into he's his. He's pushing bubble. his bubble back into mine. Exactly. You know? yeah. yeah. So and it's so. it's nothing. It's one of those things like oh, you walked in front of me, big dope, because he's got to yeah. be a big dope. Um, but I'm fascinated now that I've gone down the rabbit hole 
Yeah. Of, okay, <laughs> learning about the body language and how I use mine to communicate appropriately with him. What am I doing and what is he really saying to me and how do I fix it? So I can't wait to, after Radiothon, to hop back on the university. After Radiothon, that's right. We've got a lot, yeah. a lot of taping to do in the next week or so. But if you don't mind, I'm going to take that one to dad. I'm going to take that to Monty and 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 see if he's encountered that one. Yeah, and it's, it's all very, he, he's not excited about it. He's very simple yeah. and matter of fact. He's just going to walk in front of me so that I have to stop and not get further from the gate. He's just rolling the big body in front of you. Yeah, That's and he so has fun. kind of a tractor that way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, exciting stuff. And it's all your fault that I've gone down the uh, the join up. You're the, the good student. The, no, you're the join the up good. rabbit hole. And like, uh, like you guys say, it's really amped up the fun because it's so fascinating. Again, like we started out with, to learn. So there's so much more to learn. It's like every day. Well, it's the, like, oh, really? Didn't know that either. It, it, there's and there's so many opportunities to teach too. So we have 432 lessons up there right now. I think at the last one I put yeah. up there, and it's a new one every week. And we got tons of great questions at Equine Affair in Massachusetts. So I have to thank everybody that was that came out to that and helped us out at the booth and came and said hello. All the auditors, hi auditors, Yay. you guys were so great to come by and say hi. It was really fun. But the questions were amazing, and I think this this is the fun part of the last 25, 30 years that Dad's plowed in is that people are using these things now and they're coming up with great questions too because it's an extension of learning those things now too and what about and it just gets refined and gets better. Yes, exactly. There's so many people coming and they're bringing their own past experiences Mm -hmm, into mm -hmm. it and it's just making the body of knowledge that much richer. Yeah, Yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, And and to segue into our our guest today too, I think these two, um, Rafael Valle, um, and also Joyce Batista Ferrari have been great. They're really thought leaders in in sharing education too. Uh, Rafael has a great story about not really being involved in horses at all. So you have to hear how he got involved in, in his first horse. And then Joyce Batista Ferrari has a long, I mean, her as long as her arm experience in the media of horses and and other medias as well. And so people will be young girls, listen up. This girl's very ambitious. She loves riding. She loves her horses. And she's been it's able to make model. something out yeah. too. She's a great role model. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, we're going to get to our first guest and we're going to do that right after this from IFA.com. Hi, I'm Mark Hebner, president of Index Fund Advisors and proud owner of Monty Roberts Willing Partners graduate. He's a sugar bear. <laughs> You know, investment portfolios are a lot like horses. You need to find one that best suits you, your temperament, and your stage of life. Some people might like an energetic horse and an aggressive investment portfolio, while others are more comfortable with a gentle ride and a more conservative investment portfolio. The trick is to find the one that's right for you. That's what Index Fund Advisors is all about, matching people with portfolios risk-appropriate, low-cost, and globally diversified investment portfolios. You can find the right portfolio for you by taking the Risk Capacity Survey at ifa.com. That's IFA as an index fund advisors. Or you can call us toll-free at 888-643-3133. That's 888-643-3133. Rafael Valle from the Horse and Friends radio show in Nashville, Tennessee, 
shares the message that Tennessee walking horses, really all horses, will respond positively to being treated with kindness and respect. This is what we know. And Ivory Pal, his horse, who actually didn't join us for the interview, I wish he could, but Ivory Pal is a Golden Palomino champion, Tennessee walking horse stallion, owned and trained and loved by Raphael Valle is an extraordinary performer and a partner with an exceptional temperament. This amazing stallion performs bitless and barefoot and even has a new book out. What? His own original theme song and a music video <laughs> a too. Music video. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, not on MTV though. It's good. But with his own Facebook page now hosting over 100,000 fans, it's easy to see that many other horse lovers recognize the greatness and goodness of this wonderful stallion too. Raphael Valle. Well, welcome, Raphael Valle from Ivory Knoll Ranch. You're all the way in Tennessee today, correct? Yes, correct. Just outside of Nashville. And thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate uh, well, it. Looking forward thank to you. it. Thank you. We have been too. Thanks for joining us on the radio. And um, I, you know, I'd be remiss in, in if I didn't say hi from Joe Camp, who we'll be talking to in just a little bit too, who is an old friend. Oh. Absolutely. Great uh, friend and great uh, horseman and obviously great with the dogs with uh, Benji. That's right. Famous for Benji and, and now horses. Absolutely. So uh, and the first thing I got to ask you, I, I've just seen you over the years. I've seen you all over the place. Do you ever get tired of giving interviews about Ivory Pal? No, not at all. I'm actually <laughs> his uh, spokesperson. So he kind of nudges me all the time. Yeah. So he's like, come on, you got to keep talking on my behalf. Yeah. <laughs> so That's right. it, it's always fun and it's always actually always very humbling, you know, to be able to uh, talk about the horses I repel. So I take it as a very you know, humbling experience. Nice. Well, um, for, for those who've been on the moon and haven't uh, heard about Ivory Pal, it's this beautiful stallion, Palomino, Tennessee walking horse. And you, if you haven't seen him, go on, uh, go on Facebook and find his page there and go find the Ivory Knoll Ranch website because he is just gorgeous. And with that context, to put it in, um, I, you know, and, and tell people to go see the great videos. Did he ever, he, he has accomplished so much in these videos, dancing with professional dancers and uh, putting on shows and everything. And you're up top uh, looking very much like a, you're having way too much fun as a dressage rider up there. <laughs> <laughs> but has he Absolutely. accomplished in the show ring too, Raphael? Is he, yeah, is he accomplished? Yes. Actually, actually, first, thank you very much for your kind words about uh, mm -hmm. every pal. I'll make sure I tell him when I go see him in the barn yeah. here. Yeah, thank uh, you. He gets, uh, he, but uh, yeah, actually, we uh, had a show career of two years, 2004 and 2005, and it was all done uh, naturally. You know, no shoes, a uh, mild bit, and uh, we did the natural horsemanship or the natural gated circuit show world through Fosh and National Walking Horse Association. And uh, those are some of the gated classes, but we also competed in uh, dressage and open classes where he was very versatile from doing, you know, the hopsicore courses to jumping, the mentioned dressage. Uh, pretty much he liked and uh, doing all the, all the versatility. That was basically his specialty uh the versatility which showcases the versatility of the 
walking horse breed. You know, unfortunately, so many people have a, a bad image of uh, of the walkers because of the pad chains and oh, the big soaring, lick. Oh. but big lick, right? So that's why we kind of got involved is to show that a you know horse can accomplish a lot, particularly mm-hmm. a walking horse, you know, through through proper horsemanship and kindness, respect, and leadership. So when I've got Ivory Powell back in with 2001, had no intentions of ever hitting the show circuit, much less doing performances. I just wanted a good, steady trail horse, but kind of things, one thing's led after the other, and you know, the rest is, uh, I guess it's uh, you know, history. <laughs> Yeah, it's still performing history. Uh, you're still out there um, uh, being fresh and new with content. It's it's wonderful to see. When did you first ride a Tennessee walking horse? He was the first Tennessee walking horse really? I ever rode. Oh, wow. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I would have been in, uh, having lived in Ocala, Florida, before moving up to Nashville, Tennessee. You know, so, so much different breeds of horses in Ocala being known as you know, horse capital of the world. So I didn't have a horse then, didn't have a farm. So I would kind of look at different horse farms to go check out the breeds. And my favorite breed and what I thought I was going to get was an Andalusian. Hmm. But I said, hey, here's a walking horse farm, you know, uh, kind of I was curious. So saw him and you know, the owner asked me if I wanted to take him for a test ride. And I said, absolutely. And, and it was an instant connection. So first Tennessee horse I've ever ridden and first horse I've ever owned. That's amazing, Raphael. What a home run you guys did, right? Well, thank you. But it shows you the importance of the horse where, you know, I had ridden horses before as a kid and in my native country of Nicaragua and spent summers riding, but yeah, I really didn't know the proper you know, training or riding ability. You know, rode heavily with the hand, with the with the hands, not with the whole body. Mm-hmm. So the horse actually, you know, was a great coach and teacher to me. So it was that partnership where you know he he told me, okay, good from his body language, vice versa, and he actually was always a little bit ahead of me on the learning curve because I was. <laughs> Reading a lot of books, watching uh, uh, Marty Roberts' videos and Jive Boy and all that, just immersed. I had a whole, whole library that I was getting a degree in horsemanship, right? Oh, but I want nice. to do it, right? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, so that's how it started. And how would. Well, that's great. You're such a great student. I love hearing that. And, um, and I love hearing about your experience with the first Tennessee walking horse and from Nicaragua, this is amazing that you're such a good student. How did you end up getting to bitless and shoeless? You know, it was a learning experience and I guess I was, you know, very blessed to have, you know, bought Ivory Pal, which was at the time about what I call the Renaissance of natural horsemanship. Mm-hmm. And this was like with the early two thousands, you know, with your, father uh, coming out, you know, with the, uh, promoting the, uh, the, uh, the you know, horse whisperer known and all this, and then, you know, the other well-known trainers. So it was uh, good timing. So I learned and subscribed to all the magazines and so forth. And I, you know, the horses in, um, that, that I rode in Nicaragua with my uncle's horses, they were, you know, Andalusians. Uh, most of them were barefoot. 
Mm, and most right. of them were bitless. All you had was a uh, hackamore. So <laughs> yeah. that kind of was in the back of my mind, but you always heard you need a horse, you know, a bit, excuse me, to stop a horse. Kind of those, some, one of the many myths and kind of dispelled over time. Sure. So when somebody introduced me to the, the bitless bridal, I said, you know, why not? Let's try it. So it wasn't like a complete uh, novelty because like the experience was there in the, my, my background uh, from a childhood experience. So, and I put it on him and he's absolutely fantastic. And he responded. And, uh, yeah. But we had totally. And, and, uh, but we went barefoot before long before that. And it was several reasons. One, because his feet were very brittle from you know, being confined to the stalls and having had, bands and pads before and mm-hmm. cause he was in a Tennessee walking quote unquote training barn. And, uh, so it was almost by, uh, just to rehabilitate him because he needed the circulation and so forth. And then I saw that he was just doing so wonderful, but on that part, you know, the, the nutrition was very good. And that's how we kind of stumbled across Omega Horseshine. You know, it was oh, yeah. part of the, the nutrition for his feet. Cause I had tried, biotin and so forth and nothing was working it was also you know very expensive so that i think omega horse may have just be coming out in the market this was mm. 2002 2001 so uh use that and so a lot of things led to the barefoot and the bitless and also you know a treeless saddle uh because so many of the saddles kind of you know don't fit the horse with the with the bars and so forth. So I went with the treeless saddle with the correct, with the proper um, riding pad. It's just the whole complete you know, package that makes him, you know, perform. And most important, I've learned how to ride, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. going with my leg cues and light on the hands and so forth. So it was a whole kind of a uh, lot of things coming together and learning from sources and so forth. But that's, but also like dispelling a lot of myths. There's so many myths out there as, as, as you're aware of. So, um, yeah. but having that childhood experience of having experienced barefoot and bitless horses was easier for me to transfer to, 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 to that, uh, to, to those methods. Yeah. Yeah. I first saw Ivory Pal. I think I saw him on those beautiful ads for Omega Horse Shine. He's the big Palomino. If people have ever seen those, uh, that's one of our sponsors too. But he's the big Palomino with just like that huge shoulder and all that mane coming at you. He's just gorgeous. Exceptional. It it really, he's, he is one of those. I think I heard, uh, there was a quote that Elvis Presley said that he would never, uh, have, uh, Graceland without a beautiful Palomino uh, Tennessee walking horse. And so I thought, wow, I didn't even know that Tennessee walking horses came in Palomino, which is really cool. He's beautiful. And and I love the breed. So is he exceptional to the breed? Or, I mean, I, I think he is, but... I may be biased here. Yeah, <laughs> there I you go. Is, uh, <laughs> and, and more, and it's, it's not only... Well, the old foundation Tennessee walking horse was out and stocky and versatile because they were, you know, had to have the temperament also to be serve multi roles, you know, mm-hmm. be able to walk the landowner around the farm, being able to be a carriage horse and being gentle and so forth. So that's the original mind and build of, of a walking horse, which I think Ivory Powell represents. And his, his mother was an old foundation mare, which I think she got a lot of his body uh, he got a lot of uh, his body type from from her, um, 
so and the in the versatility, but his mind is what's it's is amazing. You look at him and yes, I guess he's physically beautiful, but he just has such a a great and kind mind and heart, just real gentle. It's, you know, especially for being a stallion, most people when we're out That's right. you know, shows or, or trail ride, they say there's no way he's a stallion because he's actually probably probably the most well-behaved horse on the farm, and they have geldings and mares, and he's the one that's just always really easy going. Yeah, I think I think there is an underlying attitude in Tennessee walking horses that's just really quiet and compliant, which is probably why they've right. they've put up with all the stuff we've hung all over them. But um, but I love to see them going right. back. And a lot of people have to be convinced that's a natural gait, but it is certainly all there um, from from day one when they land. Yep. Absolutely. No, and I've been able to witness that firsthand because I've had two of his offsprings directly uh, that I've breed, bred for myself and breeding for myself born here uh, on the farm. And they go out gating naturally because he's uh, been out to stud for years, but I never kept any for me. It was just, uh, you know, at least out the mare or the man they brought the mares in. And he was an absent father in that sense, I guess. <laughs> you know, <they're> babies. <laughs> we'll have to talk to him. But with that. these, yeah, yeah, he's. I uh, have to tell him about proper manners, right? But, uh, but uh, with these, he's been involved and spent time with the mayor, and he's actually been involved in being with the babies and seeing his natural paternal wow. instinct as a stallion has been really fascinating. Huh? And, and he and he Does enjoys he? them. He doesn't get real territorial about. Other babies. Not at all. It was pretty cool. amazing how he literally takes on a paternal role, protective when the when there were babies and so forth. As uh, I mean, you could see the babies would go to him when they were kind of uh, you know afraid or stuff, and he was always very gentle. And he lets the his offspring um, get away with you know, stuff that he wouldn't let the other geldings do. Like he'll let him eat out of his bucket and so forth, and is really gentle and disciplined. And he will teach him matters, which is a great horse, you know, to teach manners out in the pasture. So it's pretty fascinating to see here's a domesticated horse instinctively, you know, being really gentle to the uh, offspring and the other geldings that are not offspring of him, that, you know, he's he just knows his role. And um, some people told me, oh, you'll, you'll never be able to, you know, ride him again once he gets attached to the mares and the and, and protecting of his herd but no he's actually a much much happier horse for whatever reason actually the relationship's gotten even better because now he could be a horse when i'm not riding him and so forth so he makes him more relaxed great that is well everybody's got to go meet ivory pal if you're anywhere near uh ivory knoll ranch in nashville tennessee you should do that i, I you know i do, do not try this at home with all your stallions but <laughs> but i can say that that is unusual he's an unusual um example of the tennessee walking horse breed uh which i love and i think an unusual example of a relationship between Raphael and uh and a horse it's it's just wonderful to read about you watch your continuing story anything in the offing that people can go find you uh are you doing any demonstrations or any shows? Well, thank you. We've been kind of uh, been focusing on working with um, the veterans with PTSD and their families. Oh. I don't know if you're aware of uh, Hope and Healing at Healing Glade. It's run by uh, actress and model, which may be familiar with you, Jennifer O'Neill. Oh, fantastic. Uh, so yeah. She, yeah, she has it here in Nashville. And we've, uh, in 4th of July, we did, 
the performance for the veterans and their families and so forth. And, and, uh, it was funny because Jennifer, I told Jennifer, I said, he'll be great to give the kids pony rides. She goes, she knows, you know, she had seen them before, but I said, here's a stallion giving pony rides with other horses around him. He said, that would be amazing. So got all the kids riding on his back and, he was the last horse standing because all the other horses and mares and geldings were throwing fits because they were getting tired. And he literally gave, uh, you know, every kid the ride, you know, that they were waiting for. So that was very you know, rewarding to be part of that, to you know, bring a little bit of relief to the veterans or active duty members too, uh, and their families from you know, the issues of what they've seen and dealing with, with, with war. Well, thank you for doing that too, Raphael. That's amazing. And I'm, I'm proud of, you know, thank them for their service and thank you for making it a little easier to come home to. That's wonderful. And and that horse is, I think he's got little angel wings that I haven't seen yet in all those photos, but he just sounds like an amazing angel. I, I love it. Thank well, you. Thank so, you. Thank yeah. You. Thanks so much for, for hanging in with him and, and sharing your story today on Horsemanship Radio. Um, we're really excited because Sean's Omega Fields company has done something amazing for one of our test horses. His name is Cadillac. And we felt so strongly about it that um, we definitely wanted to bring him on as a sponsor of Horsemanship Radio. And we wanted you to know that it came in that um, order first is that we were so impressed with this product and with this horse's results that we wanted to have him a part of our um, our monthly shows. What is it about the Omega Fields product? Something's different. Omega Fields uh, was built around a really um, unique and proprietary technology. Flaxseed has been known for a long time to contain rich source of omega-3 fatty acids along with omega-6 and omega-9 fatty acids in, the, in a near-perfect balance. But historically, there was a problem using it. It's high in fat, and when it was uh, milled into a feed product or a food product, it, it would go rancid very quickly. So our company had developed a proprietary technology for stabilizing this high-fat flaxseed to make it usable, uh, give it a long shelf life in a natural uh, environment. We don't use any chemicals or additives to extend the shelf life or anything like that. It's a completely natural process. That's what makes our flax really different. Um, It makes it usable. It makes it nutritious over a long period of time. We guarantee an 18-month shelf life so consumers can use it with confidence without it going rancid that, you know, would potentially harm the horse. So quality of manufacture, every single thing in that uh, product, Omega Horse Shine, is food grade. It's made at a food grade facility with great care of product quality. Uh, The stabilization technology makes that Omega-3 nutritional value locked in and usable for a long period of time. So proof is in the pudding, so to speak, that it, it really works. You'll see dramatic results in a fairly short period of time. Joyce Batista Ferrari has more than 20 years of experience with iconic publishing powerhouses and digital media startups, too. Batista Ferrari earned a Bachelor of Arts degree in journalism from Washington and Lee University, and Ferrari is responsible for leading the company's content, strategy, design, and editorial teams and overall voice for all its publications 
at Horse Illustrated Magazine and Young Rider Magazine. She's a horsewoman. She loves her horses, and she's been able to make a living with it. Well, welcome, Joyce Batista Ferrari. Is that not the greatest name I've ever heard? Welcome to the show. Welcome to Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for having me, Debbie. We're privileged to I'm have so you. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm glad you are. It's the uh, the privileges that you go way back. Uh, this young writer and Horse Illustrated, I remember, you know, as a kid. So uh, it's fun to to pick your brain a little bit and learn more about you. I get some of the backstage pass here, don't I? Uh, Joyce, how long have you been uh, related to the Horse Illustrated brand? I started with Horse Illustrated Young Rider and the parent company Lumina Media at the end of January, so earlier this year. So earlier this year. So I've, I'm, I'm, a, mm-hmm, I'm yes, a newbie. You're a newbie. That's great. So we, we won't have any hazing going on here or anything, but we'd love to hear, ah! <laughs> <laughs> we'd love to hear more about the authenticity and the, um, the, some of the changes that you've made in the magazine, because I think a lot of us, uh, you know, have grown up with these magazines and, and we, we love our horses and we love to read about all the different people involved in horses' lives and breeds and things. And you guys stay pretty across the board, don't you, as a, as a magazine, both of them? We do. Yeah. We, we cover both Western and English writing. And, you know, I think that makes us unique in the marketplace and it's a really great opportunity to cover a wide, array of subject matters. Yeah, I agree. And that and that's what makes it fun for us as trail riders, our giddy up and go gals, we say. And uh, there's so many <laughs> of us out there. Well, and what's the percentage these days are they saying you guys in the industry? What are they saying are trail riders, recreational riders versus those high performance riders? Do you know? Well, I well for uh, for Horse Illustrated, the we have about 72% who are western riders, uh 54% English and 84% trail. So you definitely have a, a lot of folks on the trail there. Yeah. Uh, and you're talking about recreational amateur riders of the percentage. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's a great thing about Horse Illustrated is that I, you know, I feel like there's definitely a lot of content there for um, the, the, the person who just loves the, the beauty of horses mm-hmm. as well as wanting to know more about the training and health. Exactly. Exactly. I think we're all horse lovers. You know, it's amazing to me anything that we've been around horses about, it doesn't matter what it is, seems to be um, a percentage of people don't even have access to horses, but they love their horses so much that they they still, that means that they don't lease a horse, they don't own a horse, they don't even get out to see a horse regularly, but they're so interested in horses. How could you not be? I mean, they're really (laughs) such majestic animals, and I think that's what we Definitely one capture in Horse Illustrated. Yeah, yeah. So you're 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 helping people like that too. So now Horse Illustrated has been around forty years. I'm looking at the the cover. It says fortieth anniversary. Uh, what what new features are you doing? You're, you're going to make an evolution here in this next year. A new cover, a new logo. What are the new features? What's new about it? Well, what I like to say is we're bringing the Illustrated back into Horse Illustrated. Mm-hmm. We're definitely focusing on the photography. Again, you know, just sort of what you and I were talking about, how there is such a, a majesty and beauty to the physicality of horses, and we want to show that off. Um, you, you can definitely see that in the covers um, with the halflinger sh- shaking his head. There's, you know, there's something about the motion and just, just capturing that spirit. And um, on the covers, we want, to just sh- we want to definitely show that. There's definitely a, a focus on 
bitter, bigger photos, better photography. Um, on the inside, we've introduced a photo portfolio. Um, the September issue was our redesign issue, and in that first one, we featured Icelandics um, in Iceland. And we're going to continue with great photo portfolios. In the following issue, we did a a photo story on senior horses. You know, we don't we want to we definitely want to cover the the, the scope of um, just looking at beautiful horses, but also the fact that I know a lot of our riders, you know, they, they may have a senior horse. We, we want to be able to offer the fantasy, but also provide the reality. Yeah. Yeah, that's nice. That's fun. Um, and why? Why do you think that this is a worthy industry to keep, keep going after? Um, what is it about horses that you think people love to see and read? Well, they are definitely passionate. Our horse illustrated editor is has been a long is a long time writer and you know, I I've learned a lot from her and I think it's really interesting that horse folks are just so not just passionate, but they're voracious about information. You know, they want to learn more about different breeds, they want to learn more about health and training, and there's something to the the love and passion, and I think that it will always continue. But there's also there's um I think there's an aura also about riding, and I think that's why the ho- being a horse rider, having it be your passion, your hobby. I think it's a very worthy and important thing to have in so many people's lives. I think there's it, for some people it can be therapy. For for others, it's again that the feeling of being on the trail, um, the showmanship for those who show, and also just the the exercise, but just the connection. There's definitely mm-hmm. a feeling there is a such a connection with one's horse. Mm, that's nice. It's hard to describe that. Very well, very well done on your part there, that too. Yeah, and you do cover both the health and the beauty of the horse, which is is lovely. So you feel like that's one of your most important goals is to relate to the reader who feels all those things. Oh, definitely. Yeah, and I think it's you know it's I think it's easy to maybe get caught up too much in one or the other. You know, if you if you if it's too in the weeds, sometimes you don't get a chance to just pull back and just appreciate the the horsemanship and the the beauty of a horse. But then, if you get too far into the the into the fantasy land of you know what we call sort of internally as the unicorn horse, you know, the horse that is, um, is unrealistic, mm-hmm. um, then you're not really appreciating the the true beauty and companionship. So we want to be able to bring them together in a very realistic but aspirational way. Oh, that's nice. Um, and and you, you feel the magazine when you're flipping through, I feel like you're very authentic, like you're, that you, the people that you have there are, are understanding it and that, um, that they're, they're getting what we go through when we worry about our horse's health or whether we're looking for a new um, set of shipping boots or whatever. I mean, that sounds like an ad, but it really, it did strike me that way, which is why I wanted to talk to you about that. Do you have a lot of riders, a lot of horse people on staff? Um, our editor, um, Elizabeth Moyer is, she rides dressage and she's been a long time lover and rider. Our managing editor, Holly, is an adventure and our assistant editor is also an event. So they're, they're passionate. They live the life. Mm-hmm. I think it's, um, it's easy if you're not 
a rider to maybe get caught up in the the fantasy, and they always they're e- they easily bring everything down to the reality. Yeah. And um, like you said, I think it's important, and I'm glad, I'm so happy that you sense that. I'm so so thrilled that mm-hmm. you sense that because we definitely um, we definitely strive for that. We want to be helpful. Good. Well, you are. So I, I got an, a left field question for you. Um, if you sure. could, if you could, um, choose a fantasy ride. Okay. Uh, any fan, it could be a horse past, mm. present, uh, no futures. I don't know what that would look like, but, um, what would it be? Um, when you say fantasy ride, is it a, like a particular horse or just a, mm-hmm. a location or just probably, uh, probably yes. Probably, probably all those things, yes, right? Yes, it's your fantasy. Um, yes. It's my fantasy. Well, I, you know, I have to say, after our Icelandic portfolio, I've always sort of been curious about the, about, about Iceland. There's something about um, being able to explore on a horse that kind of terrain and that kind of beauty. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the idea of exploring, you know. Thermal baths and amazing countryside um, on that kind of horse. And you know, also, I am not. You know, I am not a an adventure. I you know a lot of the. I I think riding a famous horse would be kind of lost on me. And frankly, just I, I don't think I could do it because it's the. You know, it takes a very special kind of person who's trained and is well versed in that. But for me, I am. I would be. A, I'm a more casual rider and. For me, it's about experiencing the whole experience, being on the horse and being in the locale. Great, great, and I I love that fantasy of Iceland too, because no no Icelandic can ever come off the island and then go back on. So they are the purest breed on Iceland itself. It's very interesting. Yeah, and just so gorgeous. It's just mm-hmm. so gorgeous. I mean, there's just something about the them the Icelandic horses themselves, but also just the, the top topography of Iceland. Just, I think that the photo portfolio really inspired me. Yeah. Yeah, it should. Um, so I'm going to do a shift now on you. That was a left field question. I apologize. Not really. I loved your answers. So that was good, <laughs> but oh, let's, good. <laughs> let's skip to young rider. Cause to me, this is where our, this is where our future is. And this is where we're going to develop these kids who are, I think they're too much on the couch right now. We need a whole generation to, to figure out about horses and, and stick with them. And, um, at least on the two coasts for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so what, are, what are you changing about young rider that is going to keep that interest? That's going to take us into the next generation. Well, what I'm really excited about is our young advisory board. Um, we hadn't had one before we, in our redesign issue, our September, October issue, we put a call out for, for young riders to be part of our advisory board. And what we're doing and why we wanted to do that was because we really wanted to hear their voices. You know, it's a, we're all adults making a magazine for kids. And I think sometimes something can be lost there. You know, that, that, that voice, that authenticity. And we just want this young advisory board just to tell us this, to keep us in check and to, to tell us what they're worried about, what they want to read about. And if it's being presented in a way that's helpful to them. And so you know, I'm really excited about this Young Advisory Board. They'll be announced in our, I believe, our next issue. Um, so, yeah. So, that's, I'm most excited about that. We did a redesign. Young, we have a new logo for Young Rider, which feels updated. And, and on the inside, it has really that 
almost that kind of handmade feel. You remember when you were a kid? Maybe um, it's been a while from, since I was a kid, but um, <laughs> drawing on your peachy folders or um, yeah. making collages of your friends. We wanted to sort of create, recreate that in the magazine. Cool. So, you know, so we hope to have a more authentic feel. And again, show the passion, show lots of readers' photos, and the idea that it's a, a community and a very passionate and happy community to be part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The photos uh, in the back of the kids and with their horses are always, you know, that always gets me. So you've got, I, I was going through some of the features and you've got dude of the issue. I love this. Do you, have you always done that? <laughs> you know, we um, started doing that recently uh, and I, I know it's, it's too bad. It's, it's, it's actually, um, they're not as many I know. boys who are reading young rider. It, we're about 98% female, but, uh, yeah, I, I love having a due to the issue. <laughs> yeah. Due to the issue, um, you know, is a highlight of a boy as it sounds, uh, it, which is a sad statement about the industry having to encourage boys, um, that you can have one dude of the issue, <laughs> but, but they are adorable. <laughs> but, yeah. and I love that. I, you know, I told my, my, I have two boys and, um, uh, you know, of course I grew up in a, a real horsey family and, uh, you know, my two boys of course wanted to go into tennis. So I told them to at least wear the horsey t-shirts for dates because you uh-huh. know, you know, there's so few guys, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the opportunity, but yeah, no, it is, it is a weird statement. Here's the flip flop, the weird thing that aren't you glad you're not re- young writer uh, in Brazil too, because like, if you go into South America, it's the flip-flop. It's 98% boys and, uh, very few women, uh, are really in the industry. Let's say it that way, you know? Oh, so, yeah. that's really interesting. Why, why is that? Do you know why? I, I think that's very interesting. I think they haven't, I mean, I think we used to be more like that when we were an agrarian society, right? With, mm-hmm. with horses as uh, our, yeah. yeah, as our, as our tractor, you know, or whatever, 150 years ago. Uh, but, and it, I'm not saying down there is like that. It's just that the women have not broken, which is actually brings me to a point about Young Rider and, and your, your focus group, Young Rider Advisory Board. Yeah. And so what's so interesting is that I wonder if they recognize that, that there's, you know, no boy. Maybe they don't want any boys. It could be no boys allowed. I don't know. But, but, um, why is it that, that so many of the men end up doing well at the highest levels then, or, or as the trainers, the Boyd Martins and, uh, you know, the Ron Rawls and the, um, uh, the Philip Rawls, his son, you know, and so many of the, uh, the top, top writer. Is that going to change, do you think? Or is that, uh, is there a reason for that? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. And I, I honestly don't know the answer to that. And, you know, I, I, I wonder if, I wonder what it was like, let's say 10 years ago with that demographic. And is it about now that we have so many more girls riding, will we see eventually when they are adults, if we're going to see a shift in that? Mm-hmm. You know, it would be an interesting question. I would challenge challenge them with that to see uh, if they even want boys in the industry. What's nice about natural horsemanship, if we can throw that funny term, I'm not even sure what it means, but you know, there was a, a, a shift in the nineties to uh, maybe, maybe the way to say it is you could question your trainers <laughs> and that you didn't have to do it completely the traditional way anymore. And uh-huh. that you could be kinder, gentler to your horses. And when that began to shift, it meant that somebody who wasn't 170 pounds and, uh, you know, a guy could actually work around a horse and not worry about that because it, 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 
it, it was an equalizer. If you're not having to overpower a horse or bully the horse or hit the horse, then you don't have to be more than a hundred pounds and, um, you can handle just about any horse and we're including all the way up to drafts. What do you think about that? That's actually a great point, Debbie. I really, that's really interesting. I think also, you know, as if I were to stereotype, you know, females are said to have a greater sense of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if that definitely, that kind of horsemanship, that natural horsemanship really just lends itself to a a female population. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, um, it's interesting. I like that the the strength is actually not is is mental and emotional versus just purely physical. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. And I and I love how you did the um, the bad trail habits and things like that too. That so that we become more aware of um, not only our horses but also other people dealing with horses, so that we don't create situations um, on the trail. In this case, in this article that you wrote, it's a great article. Um, or whoever wrote it, sorry, I didn't give you credit there, but that, (laughs) (laughs) that, that there is some teaching in it, but it's, I I would say it's more common sense teaching or it's more, um, out there on the trail kind of teaching or in the barn kind of teaching, which is nice. And, and I love your breed spotlights. I think people should, should read the magazine just for that. And of course you got to throw, ask the vet in there, which is great that you're bringing professionals in and, and, uh, getting, uh, some savvy information and, uh, not guesswork, which happens so much in, with animals, I know. So those are great. Are there any other features that people should know about? Well, in the Horse Illustrated, we're also, we've also introduced something called Equistyle, which is the, which is products home for the home or for, or fashion that are inspired by the equine world. So I think for, for September, it's, it was home products and fashion products that were inspired by bridal leather. You know, that really sort of tough, beautiful leather is for bridles being used on chairs and, and handbags and it's kind of, again, creating, really spotlighting the world of horse, not just in the barn, but at home and out, you know, in ways, in ways that you can express yourself. You know, if you love horses and you want to express your love for horses, you want to do it just not in the barn or on the trail, but in your everyday life. Fantastic. That sounds fun too. Keep us adults in there too. Um, and, and we do love that lifestyle and even replicating it. Um, you know, this is where the husbands don't always understand the, we call it the boyfriend and husband problem, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but it is beautiful and it's durable and why not? We're out here in the West. I guess we, that's our roots, isn't it? Yeah. I'm also, we're also, besides Equistyle, we're also producing more travel stories. And again, you know, that's, that's for the the person who is planning a vacation, but also the person who just loves horses and just dreams about that the bucket list vacation, whether it be in the Swiss Alps or in Iceland or you know it could be yoga retreat. Um, I think for those folks who love riding, who love horses, to be part of a vacation, to make it to make that part of your vacation, I think is a is an important part too. Sounds really fun. We just got back from a, a friend's trip to Santa Fe, New Mexico. And again, the, those roots are there. The horse horsemanship is uh, varied and, and beautiful out there too. So I know what you mean. That getaway, three days and you just feel like you've um, gone to another country. But you haven't really. A different country type, that's for sure. <laughs> but uh, Yeah. And, yeah. and we definitely want to balance all that great aspirational travel and style with um, deworming stories and training stories, things that are just, you know, stories that are practical, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, you've, you're hitting it. You're hitting it. Just oh, keep thanks. up the good thanks. work. It, it was re- <laughs> it's really fun to, to uh, pick up. So people should go and pick up a couple copies and, and see if it hits your horsey hot button. But I, I think it will. I think it's really fun. And I'm, I'm glad you're advocating for, for young writers too. And, and like I said, that is the next generation. And I do think we need to start stoking that fire because we're so strictly recreational anymore. That is, it means it's optional. It's not something that you just culturally grow up with necessarily anymore. So, um, we want to keep people educated in that too. Not just loving horses, but being able to work around a horse, be safe around a horse and understand that they're Uh not a carnivore. They're not a dog or a cat. It's a different kind of animal. Um, I think better, but there you go. That's why we're, that's why we're doing what we do. You're but, biased. Yeah, <laughs> sort of biased. Well, thank you, Joyce. Thank you, Joyce Batista Ferrari. What a great name! And um, I appreciate. It. Good luck on all the the new feedback that you're getting on this. And I hope we'll get to hear some more stories. I'd love to uh, to kind of poke in and and see how you're doing from time to time since we live very close together. It's fun. And uh, and my best to everybody that I know. Lots of people there that have been there a long time. Well, thank you so much, for De- Debbie, for having me. And I think once we have our young, advi- our young rider advisory board in place, you know, I'd love to maybe we have a roundtable or ask some questions because I'm also curious about what's what's going on in their heads and great. the future of the of the hobby, the sport, and the passion. That's a great idea. Let's do it. We'll get them in a round pen with, yeah. a, with a nice horse. I think that'd be really fun. We'll yeah. Some <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for being on Horsemanship Radio. Whisper. It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than mine. The magic in the language of the herd. Dear Monty, I cannot break my thoroughbred mare's habit of fence pacing. The moment she loses sight of company, she goes crazy and paces the fence. She is very insecure. I am at a loss as to how to break this habit. The fence is electric and I have dotted hay nets all around the place, which was suggested by a friend as well. I am very close to being kicked out of my grazing because of it. Can you help? Monty's answer. Horses are herd animals. Some horses are in more deep need of constant company than others. The horse that is perfectly happy while solo is rare. In the case of your horse, it seems like there is an intense desire to be in an environment with a companion. While it is quite possible that the individual requires the company of another horse, often a different species will do. I have seen horses settle and become friends with sheep, goats, calves, and donkeys. I even remember a thoroughbred trainer who had a horse that simply had to be with his pet parrot. The nervous characteristics of the individual you describe will probably respond quite well to being provided with a friend. The art of creating a reasonable relationship with your horse is more likely to be challenged by overbonded than it is by underbonding. Horses such as yours are a challenge, but like difficult children, they can be a lot of fun to deal with at the same time. While it may be difficult to comprehend, I believe that when we have a better relationship with our horses, they become a good deal more settled in their attitude. In rare cases, I have seen horses change dramatically after nothing more than a good join-up. It seems that this procedure tends to say to them that they are safe. 
They seem to realize that the world is not out to get them and become far more tranquil as a result. Since this can do no horse any harm, I recommend it even if the chances for improvement are relatively slim. One must realize and accept the fact that a time commitment, probably quite a substantial one, is going to be necessary in dealing with a horse such as yours. I enjoy working with these types of challenges, but then I guess it's only fair to tell you that I have been accused many times of being maniacal in my desire to understand better the workings of the equine mind. For more of these insights into good horsemanship, go to www.montyroberts.com and click on the orange banner that says, Get Free Horse Tips. Hi, I'm Monty Roberts, and I know that I'm transforming the lives of horses globally. You can learn to do it too, on my Equus Online University. There's a new lesson on there each week, all the way from join up to advanced. Watch world's champions give their lessons. Join at MontyRoberts.com. Go to my Equus Online University. You can transform your horse, too. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? Monty is looking forward to meeting some new friends two-legged and four-legged, in December 9 through 11, he'll have a horse sense and healing uh, clinic again. That's three days with our our veterans and our first responders, and it's building back up trust. And then he'll be building back up his batteries while he spends the holidays in Solvang, California at Flag is Up Farms. Before he gets ready for another busy year, 2017 looks like he'll be in Brazil, Germany, England again, and possibly Scandinavia. We'll see. Wow. Well, Scan- will this will this be their his first Scandinavia jaunt? No, he's oh. been there a lot. They're asking him to come back. He's been to Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark. Wow. Does that leave lot. anything? I don't think it does. That's a lot. Well, if you couldn't memorize all of that, I know I certainly couldn't, you can find all of those great details at MontyRoberts.com. Or you can speak with a real live friendly human being over there at Flag is Up Farms by calling 805-688-6288 to get all the down and dirty on what Monty's going to be up to for the remainder of 2016 and 2017. And for details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where we'll have links, photos, and more information about today's guests. And as always, we love your feedback. It helps us make the show better. Please follow us on Facebook. You can just go to Monty Roberts and Monty Roberts tweets. That's right. His Twitter handle is Monty underscore Roberts and get the app. That's right. You can have the shows wherever you go on your iPhone or Android. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Download it today. It's quick. It's free and it's easy. Yeah, it's the way to do it. And many thanks to our sponsors, too. We have IFA.com, Omega Fields, and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. And be sure to visit all the other great shows, too, on the Horse Radio Network at www.horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours.